Welcome to another episode, my lovely listeners, with me, Clarissa, on Thriving Through Menopause. And I've got such a treat this today as such a special guest that's joining me to talk really about why we should be educating women on menopause so much more and how we can take steps to doing that. She is, of course, Professor Joyce Harper. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Lovely to meet you, Clarissa. It's lovely to meet you. You're an author, an academic, a scientist, an educator, and currently you are a professor of reproductive science at University College London, and you are head of the Reproductive Science and Society within the Institute of Women's Health, as well as lots of other really great accolades and academic background in embryology and now you've got a real passion for menopause and following your twitter I know you've been doing some fantastic research into menopause as well so that's where we meet everybody listeners it's on twitter tell me a little bit more about from your perspective how is menopause perceived right now despite all that huge conversation what's really going on we have created, in, in the UK, and I must say, have, I travel a lot and speaking to people from different countries, it's very, very different in different countries. But in the UK, we've created a hugely negative narrative. And even though we are now discussing the menopause in, in all reaches of media, etc., in the UK, which is great, I'm just concerned the way this is heading, because there's, there's been three documentaries on the menopause recently, which I'm embracing because they they're getting those discussions going but they're all doom and gloom and we've got two main points here first is that some women don't have a difficult what we call perimenopause period the period before they go through the menopause the majority do yes and we can address that of course but there's some that don't but the most important point for me is that postmenopause many many women feel a new part of their life they feel that they're blossoming into a, a new time when they can really do what they want to do and have a very very exciting part of life and we don't talk about that so what we have is I've, I've spoken to so many women in their 40s recently who just feel scared frightened uh very nervous about going through the menopause because of all this doom and gloom we've created they think they're going to become excuse the word but they're going to go old hags <laughs> they do they say oh i'm going to age i'm going to look terrible i'm going to you know all these terrible things are going to happen to me so we i really don't want us to scare women i want us to embrace this time of our life it's going to happen anyway so let's embrace it. I'm a very positive person and I know that annoys some people and they think, oh, we need to be real. But I am real. I, I feel my positive attitude on life has really helped me. And I think the last 10 years for me, I've, I've told this many times, have been the best years of my life. You know, when we're 18, we're worrying about money, jobs, career, university, relationships, all these things we're worried about. When we're in our 50s, we don't have to worry about anything. You know, we've ticked our to-do list we hopefully are fit and healthy and and hopefully we'll talk about exercise i think that's absolutely crucial to uh, having a really good life post-menopause um and we can do what we want to do we can be selfish and say right what do we want to do in this time of our life now which is it can be an amazing amazing time 
Yeah, um, I mean, I would agree with that now because my listeners know that I'm in my 60s and the last 10 years have been transformative. I've, you know, chucked in a corporate career that I loathed in the end. I I mean, I loved it. And then I ended up hating it because it was just not where I wanted to be. And now I've done what I've wanted to do. And my son is off my hands, which is, (laughs) I'm delighted about that, you know, six, seven years since he moved away. And you know, we have a freedom. And I and I do think you're right. There is a it is cultural this, because there are very different narratives around aging around the world. Uh, for me, who's lived in lots of different parts of the world, I mean, certainly in Asia, and here where I live in Sweden, and there's a very positive um, aging oh. narrative. I mean, my neighbours are much older than me, and they are fit on the go doing this doing that and we're like wow you know amazing amazing I love it I love it yeah so we have a lot of work to do us positive people who are really enjoying this time and enjoying our freedom freedom's the right word you know we really have a lot to do to convince the younger generations that this is a great time of our life and we should embrace each stage of life as we go through it and it all brings riches Um, we just need to go into them with the right frame of mind and we need to make sure that people know that it's it's going to be fine and it could even be much more than fine it could be terrific yeah I, I agree but I think what's interesting is that you said these women in their 40s and what's I'm seeing that probably concerns me is how much this conversation around the negative is spreading so what has started in the UK seems to have taken a root and is spreading to the US to Australia even here in Europe a bit that menopause is something that's hard and obviously there are you know psychological neurological reasons why we suck up the uh, negative but um but I'm seeing that, and that concerns me. I mean, what have your observations been, Joyce? A- ab- absolutely. Um, I've So talking about my research, I've done two surveys um, in the last year on, on the menopause. One for the over 40s. We've published our first paper from that, and, and I'm just writing the next two. Um, and then one for under 40s. I want to hear from women. What do they think about this what do they know about this how do they feel about their experiences about these different life stages the first paper we published was the perimenopause paper and now we've got the postmenopause paper we're just finishing off off now so hearing from those women and, and the under 40s really i had one woman on twitter say why are you sending me this survey i'm only 36 i was like because I want to hear what you think about the menopause, because at some time you're going to go through it. So anyway, we've got lots of work to do around that. But this negative narrative, so if I was going to make a documentary, and these documentaries that we've had have had a lot of effect on women, and there's all these um, celebrities who are now menopause advocates, and they're out there saying all these uh, things, some of which I don't quite agree with, or very much don't agree with, And we've got to make sure that we have a documentary that is more balanced and more positive. I think actually we need to go totally the other way and do a super positive one, which actually I would rather just all three (laughs) had sort of been down the middle and talked about the good and the bad things about what women will go through. And I mean, my, my first thing I would say in a documentary if I was teaching any women is to explain to them about the symptoms what the symptoms are 
and then what you can do to help alleviate them um and 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 also talk about obviously what life is then like post menopause and what it can be like for women and i i see many people uh, men and women uh, i'm 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 60 in a few months and i see many women and men at this age um they they almost contract they they almost uh they 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 want to retire they don't i say what what are you going to do when you retire oh i don't know they they're almost shrinking they're shrinking their work life they're shrinking their social life they're um becoming more insular and and that really worries me and i think i mean i love it that coaching has become much more popular now and i think everyone needs a coach and i think your coach should be telling you you know if you if you want to this is a time to to expand not to contract so i think there's so many issues that we've got to to work on but education to me is absolutely key we have got to educate people with the right information unfortunately there's some really tricky information coming out now especially with regards to hrt and testosterone Mm. which many of us do not agree with um women are individuals we're not one size fits all and there's we can talk about that but um i want to give yeah men and women everyone everyone needs this information because every man knows a woman um they need to know this information um to so that we can deal with it and be sensible and it's it's actually unbelievable that we are discussing this in 2022 when women have always (laughs) gone through the menopause and why why anyway we'll, we'll draw a line we've got work to do and podcasts such as this yes. are, are helping everyone understand and talk about this, which is great. We're, we're on the way. I think so. We are on the way. And I think that's the important thing, to have the conversation and to start to have more balanced conversation. Um, but you're right. Some of the conversations I've heard, seen and follow on social media are quite alarming, actually. They use very provocative language uh, which is setting up this context. But but I think we're right. We need balanced education. So how do we do that beyond documentaries, which have obviously touched the heart of some people? How do we actually get a more balanced education for women? Where should they be going to get correct, factual and interesting? Because I think, yes, some of it's a bit dry and a little too clinical for the the average consumer absolutely this is a great question and a question that we asked in our surveys where do you think this information how should this information be taught to you obviously the number one answer is it needs to start in schools and in the uk we are very lucky that um in 2019 the department for education has now put the word menopause in the uk curriculum but we know other countries have work to do around that so so I've been in schools in the last few years and I've been teaching reproductive health so I start at the menstrual cycle and I end at the menopause um, and I, I asked the school kids do you think you know anyone going through the menopause and all the teachers are sitting outside going <laughs> and um, most say yes but not all of them and I say that was a trick question you absolutely know someone going through the menopause these are teenagers <laughs> chances are their mums are in their 40s or 50s so they are anyway yes. but, so we've got to start at schools but then there is no single answer we've got to have a multi-prong approach so yes we need documentaries we need podcasts we need 
um, GPs to be fully educated. We can talk about that in a minute. They're not certainly, I think globally, they do not understand the menopause. Very few of them understand the menopause, which is a major hurdle. Um, you know, contraception clinics, pregnancy clinics, um, you know, and one of the uh, website website suggestions that came up top was the official websites of societies such as the British Menopause Society. And where you asked, where should we go yes. for the correct information? And I, I've been a research scientist for thirty years, so I am very fanatical about evidence-based medicine. We do the studies yes. and there are gaps in studies we need to do. We need to do a lot more research around the menopause, but there are studies that are done and when they're done, they get published in a scientific journal and then we need to take note of them. But there there are always conflicting scientific papers in there and we have to be sensible how we read this. So um, unfortunately, you will get some scientific papers that sometimes could give slightly uh, ambiguous information but then it's the societies the professionals in this field who have analyzed these scientific papers and who have written the sensible response so in the UK I would absolutely send people to the British Menopause Society I was very privileged to give the keynote lecture this year um, and also we have the Royal College of Obs and Gynae and I'm encouraging them to make sure they have um, literature written in a narrative that the the lay public can read, so that's publicly accessible and not just you know scientific and clinical speak that people don't understand. I mean, we often talk about the nice guidelines; they're guidelines that help uh, us understand, but they are, yeah they they're not easy for un to understand at all. So we need things written for the public to be able to understand. And the British Menopause have put out some brilliant. Uh, simple to read documents this year about things like HRT and um, but then we get people who shout louder uh, who get their voice heard and celebrities etc on board yeah. who then tilt everything and the people I speak to the public I speak to have often got the wrong information um, yes. and it's very hard to then undo something unpick something and guide it back so we are in a, a very delicate situation I think um especially especially with regards to treatment of the menopause I, I think that's true and I think that's where you see women see I mean there's lots of confusion HRT is a great space for confusion should I take it for life should I sometimes take it do I need testosterone and of course like you said just everybody's an individual I mean, then you've got body identical and and bioidentical, and women's heads are just that they, they don't know what to think, and so they you're right, they get guided by whoever seems to shout the loudest and often has the nicest website and the most well known yeah. faces <laughs> prom promoting yes. their yeah. message, you know, um, which which is actually really quite quite frightening, and I see that in the U.S. as well. Um, Less so in other, well, here in Sweden as well, there's been a very influential blogger. She's a yoga teacher, but she's had some very, quite extreme and non-scientific views. But because she wrote a book and she goes around talking, and we have a much quieter medical society who follow guidelines and rules quite strictly and don't speak up, 
her view has become the view that is populated yet yet you know that's concerning because there is a lot of scientific misinformation in that that's exactly the situation in the uk exactly um i don't think it's a secret i've, I've been encouraging the the societies to really speak up and speak up as quickly as they can and make make things really clear at the british menopause society they flew in a, a brilliant researcher from australia to talk about testosterone um, yeah. You know, there's so many women in the UK rubbing testosterone on their legs and getting getting hairy legs. <laughs> um, um, and mm. um, you know, they made it very, very clear in the in this um, in this uh, talk that the the evidence for there's lots of studies on testosterone in women. Um, there is no conclusive evidence that it's going to really help. Um, and just measuring your testosterone in your blood is not. A, a really good indicator of, of how your testosterone is and that women do always have some testosterone and it actually goes up um, when we're in our 60s which I was a bonus again um, <laughs> but um, then so obviously we did some tweets some of us did some tweets about this talk and there were people saying oh this is rubbish I uh, my testosterone has changed my life and etc 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 so you're going to get these people who say but for me my N of one, um, you know, it's worked for me. And if things work for people, that's fine. But that's not scientific. In science, we don't look at an N of one. No. We do population studies. We look at large populations of people. And that's the scientific data. And that's what we have to go with. Yes. So uh, Yes. Not extrapolating know. from a few people's comments or even very small studies doesn't necessarily mean that we are, we are able to say that that's a generalized statement. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As a scientist, I mean, I usually would roll my eyes when people say, well, we had five people say something. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, go away. <laughs> I don't have five people Same. saying something, you know, I want to see it. I want to see it, you know, demographically represent, represented and, and therefore I might be able to actually do some statistical analysis and learn something from it. But, but I mean, it's the same. You mentioned hormone testing there. That has become... Uh, very popular to push, um, but it doesn't show anything, does it, Joyce? No, I, I I wrote a book last year. I published it last year. I started writing my book in 1987, and I started I started writing it because I was just started then in the fertility field, and so many of my friends were trying not to get pregnant or get pregnant and didn't understand their bodies. And I now have friends in the menopause who are in the, the same friends who still don't know how their body works. So I, I finally wrote my book, which I started 30, over 30 years ago last year, but I, I included a chapter in the menopause and made it very clear that all the data or every data says that we shouldn't test a woman over 45 for the menopause. If she's got menopause symptoms, it's obvious she's menopausal. We start the symptoms maybe eight to 10 years before we have our last period. Um, the average age of going through the menopause, in, certainly in the UK, is 51. So in your 40s, most women are going to start having some symptoms. Um, and so we don't, need, we don't need a test for it. But the main problem with a test, a test is great if it's, if it's absolute and it shows something. But with the menopause test, if we look at the hormones involved with the menopause, what how our hormones are one day and how they are the next day could be totally different. Yeah. The whole thing of the menopause is our hormones are spiraling down. Yes. With puberty, they spiral up, and in menopause, they spiral down. 
So looking at the one day or the next day or the week after or the month after, going to show very different things. So um, I keep hearing women, oh, I've had the test or my doctor won't do the test. It's really not, we don't need to do it. If you're in your 40s, you've, you're getting irregular periods, getting hot flushes, getting mood changes, et cetera. You're, you're perimenopausal yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and also doing the test doesn't really, it, you know, doing a test is useful if you're then going to act on that test. But we don't need to act on that test. If you're in your 40s, you're, if you're having really severe symptoms, yes, you might want to try HRT. There is other advice that the doctors should give you about your lifestyle. And, and that, there's a whole information that they should give you. So we need to be aware of that. And we need to start making those changes. So there's no point in doing a test. We don't need a test. Again, some of these big names are selling the test because yes. they say, well, women want to test. <laughs> I, I, as I said, being a scientist, we shouldn't be giving the public false information. Right. So we shouldn't be giving them a test because they think they want to test. And we charge them hundreds of pounds or yes. euros or whatever mm -hmm. to do this. I really don't like women exploiting women or anyone exploiting women. And, you know, we have the same with fertility. Yes. People say there's a fertility test, uh, again, measuring hormones, and there's really not. And now we're here with the menopause test. So charging women lots of money for unnecessary tests and treatment yeah. is re it really upsets me. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're in your 40s, you, you feel like you're having some changes in your menstrual cycle, in your symptoms, then just accept that you're perimenopausal. Um, but again, women in their 40s don't want to hear that because they say, oh, I'm too young. Because yes. we've got this view that the perimenopause, the menopause doesn't start till you're 51. And GPs, some GPs oh, say yes. this. Yes. They say, oh, you're too young. No, you're not too young. You're not too young. And, you know, people go through the menopause at any age. Yeah. So we're not too young. We need to change that negative narrative. And we need to be accepting of it. We need to embrace it. And we need to see how we can best um, sail, hopefully sail through this. One of my colleagues said sail through this and he got slated. <laughs> no woman sails through the menopause. Well, it depends how you look at life. Depends how you it look really, at life. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And that I think yeah. is a key message for the listeners. Depends how you look at life because I do meet people who are incredibly positive and very grounded and they'll say, well, it didn't really affect me very much. I know it happened, but I didn't think my life was derailed. And and a lot of that does live up in here. I'm not saying we don't can't have a difficult time because the factors that can go into contributing your experience are huge. And they're not just about your hormones. They're about your whole life, really. So none of us know or some really know what we're going to come up against. Absolutely. And I... To really do not want to dismiss at all those women that have a really life-changing time at the perimenopause, which really affects their lives in such a severe way. We had many women in our surveys tell us they felt suicidal. So I absolutely am not undermining that at all. I really appreciate that for some it's, it's really extreme. But if we think of our, of our menstrual cycle, for some women... Their periods are really extreme. I've been asking in schools how the teenagers 
are feeling about their periods. Some of them have said really, really strong language about how they're, they're incapacitated, they faint, they're sick, they can't get out of bed. You know, for some women, our reproductive health can have a hugely negative effect on our lives. And I always stress to women, we should not just be feeling, oh, we're women, we should just get on with our women's things. No, we should be going to the doctor. I, I tell the young girls in school, please, if this is affecting your life, go and ask your doctor to be referred to a gynecologist. Yes. We should not be dealing from a young age these problems that affect our daily life. And the same comes to the menopause. There are women who will really, really have a severe time during the menopause and they absolutely need top quality advice from an experienced doctor, ideally a menopause expert. I think it's, I think, I really think that treatment of severe menopause symptoms is too much for a GP. You know, if you had a heart condition or cancer, you wouldn't go to your GP, you go to a specialist. You do. So I really, really feel, yes, We've got to educate women, but on the other side, we have to educate our GPs for the basics to understand the yes. symptoms, identify the symptoms, and give some general health advice, which hopefully would deal with with most women that can help most women. But for those that have really severe life threatening uh, problems, they really need to go to a menopause expert because the the treatment for these complex situations is very, very difficult. And it's absolutely too much for a general doctor to do. Um, so we need to have these specialists. Um, there are so many indications, uh, you know, if you've got thrombosis or high blood pressure or heart disease or whatever, your treatment of your menopause needs to be very, very specific. Yes. And it needs to be done by an expert doctor, not not your general doctor. No, I, I, I would totally agree with that because, I mean, GPs are wonderful, but they're there as a sort of first aid in many cases. And, and mm. Sweden actually has a very strong referral system, as do countries like the US where you pay or Australia because you, you know, user pays, you get a different system again. But, but here I think women are, I don't think GPs are just allowed to prescribe HRT anyway. I think you have to have special license to do that here in Sweden. Not be and so you have to yeah, go. They, some, I think and they're very different, and here you would be referred, and that's part of the problem here because the backup, the the system is falling apart. So there's not enough trained people to take women on. But you can't just, you know, your GP doesn't dole out medication. You're nearly always referred to a specialist if something isn't, if it looks more than just general stuff, which feels right to me that I should yes. go to someone who is specialist. And of course, as you said, women's symptoms can be very complex because they can be physio physiological, but they can also be really significantly psychological or, or psychiatric care. So knowing where to direct women is very important from a GP's perspective. From our surveys, the, some of the women, women have said that the psychological problems was much, much more devastating to them than the physical problems. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the hot flushes and things like that were what they could cope with. But I, and I do and I do think those psychological problems are much more because they can often start first and, and women don't realise, you know, they start maybe feeling that they don't like their job, they don't like their partner, they... You know, uh, they might have had a loss of libido. They, there's so many factors. They could start. They could start having some cognitive issues, um, and then 
you know, lots of them have used words that they felt like they were going mad. They felt like they were having a breakdown. But knowing that in advance, also depression is a very big one, but knowing that in advance that in your early 40s, you could get this and it could be probably is the menopause. I think that would be reassuring to people. Otherwise, they think, why am I feeling like this? Um, so we, we don't want that. Um, but the HRT issue. So um, I'm, you're probably I'm sure you're aware that in the UK, there's this view that every woman should take HRT forever um which many of us do not agree with no. um i've never i've never taken hrt no. i i'm 13 years post menopause i feel amazing i i recently asked my university friends none of them are on hrt i think we're from the slightly those around 60 and above are from the generation where um it was uh much more frowned upon because we had some some early research suggesting i'm sure everyone knows yes. about the, the link with breast cancer and things so we were reluctant to take it. But now what we're seeing is the younger generation and even the menopause being referred to as a hormone deficiency syndrome, which Just... I am totally against. I don't have a syndrome. No. I feel... And <laughs> I feel I'm not deficient. <laughs> I, I think this is an outrage. I, you know, I've said this very publicly. I mean, really? You're saying every woman is going to be have a syndrome. I mean, this is, you know, so the women I know around my age, post-menopause, no HRT, are having a fabulous life and fantastic. We don't all have dementia. We don't all look like old hags. Uh, we have incredible full lives. I'm watching everyone do all these exciting uh, things in their lives. But then we've. I feel bad for the younger generation now, those women who are in their 40s, who are getting this view that um, they're all, some, some of them have told me I'm feeling guilty if I don't take HRT because um, and also oh, some of their husbands <gasps> told them they had to take HRT. This, this, I know, I've had, honestly, this is going in our next paper. Some of the husbands said, you have to take it because they, with this view that you won't, you won't be able to have sex unless you're on HRT. Which That's is not, not true. true. I can tell you that I got remarried at 58. So go away. <laughs> not having that conversation, you know. Uh, no, it's appalling. Yeah, totally fantastic. But that's also denying Joyce natural biology. I mean, if we actually think oh, about yes. that, we, we are anovulatory. So we don't have periods. We don't ovulate when we're girls. We go through a period of our life, which is, not the biggest part of our life we are fertile we have periods and then it ends now why we have that and why we're one of the few species that does that who knows because whatever evolution has determined that that should be but you know we're going to live 30 to 50 years on the other side of, of we can't be decided that we're deficient and somehow have a syndrome and ill that's that's an appalling label it's it's absolutely appalling. I I, I could honestly I could talk rant, rant I would rant about this for a long time. And you know, for, for the drug companies making HRT, how wonderful to put half the population on your drug till they die. Wow, that's great. That's great marketing. That's really good. anyway. Let's yeah. half that. I might get sued <laughs> but we did. But we but, did um, say something about GPs here being frontline. I mean, what do what do GP what do GPs get as training now? What do they need to know? And what do other healthcare practitioners like psychologists and the like also need to know? 
So they all need to be able to understand the symptoms when the symptoms start and there's some general advice you would give women. And when I've when I've asked women so who went to their GP about the menopause, I said, what did they say? And so far, everybody has said they have told me that I need to look after my health. I need to eat well. I need to exercise. So, so that's starting to get through. Uh, but identifying the symptoms is definitely still a problem. From our surveys, that was the, the biggest issue women had being sent away from their GPs when they've gone, you know, even women 45, 48, being told they're too young. So, so, but so the British Menopause Society has got a course for GPs. It's, uh, and I teach on, we, at my hospital, we have a, a GP training day. I, I always feel that we're talking to the converted. The ones who are at the GP training day are the ones that probably know quite a lot anyway. Um, but what we've got to do is we've got to make this much earlier. So we've got to embed this in their medical school yes. curriculum and make sure that they, they really understand this. But I think, um, I, I don't know about you, but I think for, for most of us in the UK, I think... You know, we do use Dr. Google um, and we most of us go to our GP already with, uh, you know, a, a mini degree in that topic that we think we might be affected by. So, um, you know, we I, I, I think, yes, we've got it's not it's not rocket science to in, improve the education of our GPs. But as I said, they're limited by what they can then do. So I, I think going back full circle, it's important to educate women and men, everyone of all ages. Um, these are the symptoms. I, I recently did a YouTube video just of the symptoms. So many of my friends um, tell me they've got these things. I said, that's perimenopause. And again, they say to me, no, no, yes, don't worry, embrace it. And in, in our surveys, one, one important thing, one of the great, well, there's several great things about being postmenopause, many great things actually, but if we think about our menstrual cycle, no more periods. Yes. Oh my goodness me. No more menstrual cycle, no more PMT, no more need for contraception. So I think those, just those things in themselves are amazing. And I've asked women in our surveys, how do they feel about no longer having a period? And the vast majority totally welcome yes. that. And you know, I've just I've just been at a festival and one of my friends was um, on her period, and I, I just, I you know, I remember I was like, wow, I haven't even been thinking about that. You know, I do lots of sports, I swim, I, you know, just not having to worry. But what I have to worry about leaking? Have I got protection with me? Have I got this, that, and the other? And and you know, am I going to get grumpy? Am I going to want chocolate every day? You know, all those things. I, I, I said to everybody when when I first went through the menopause. I said I feel like a cloud has lifted from my head and that I now feel totally yeah. level, like a calm sea, whereas before I was sometimes a calm sea and sometimes turbulent. Yeah. Now I am just a calm sea. And that for me psychologically has been such a wonderful, wonderful part of being post-menopause, just waking up every morning and not worrying what my hormones were going to do to my body and brain that day, just feeling me every day. I feel me. And that is really wonderful. Absolutely. And I think that's why you can blossom at this time and bloom because you're not led by your menstrual cycle anymore. And we should be 
yelling about that and yep. screaming from the mountaintop. I, I agree. You know, that's just <laughs> no like, more pro- and it's often progesterone and estrogen uh, to, uh, impacting centers of the brain that are linked to our emotions, and we know that that stops because we're at a much lower level of hormones. There's this calm space in our heads. And from that place, my God, we can take on the world, but in our own way. And we don't put up with any BS either. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I didn't want to, that's one of, the re- one of the reasons I didn't want to take HRT. I thought, let's see what life's like without these two hormones that have governed my life for all these decades. Let's see what it's like. And I loved yeah. it. I love not having those. I did have to get through the symptoms of perimenopause, of course, but I really loved not having them. And, you know, some of some of the words I'm hearing people say, you know, you know, that you'll be calmer if you take HRT or be this, that and the other. I, I personally don't agree with. I really don't agree with. So, um, yeah, sorry, I keep going back to HRT, no. but it's just so much. <laughs> There's so much there. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I really don't feel proficient. I feel absolutely, it, it's a great, great time. And we've got to ensure younger women know that this is a, a really wonderful time of their life, for sure. Joyce, on that note, we should end this because I think that's left it in this positive, uplifted mode that you and I and millions of women actually around the world feel just like we do and we can we can get through this time and come out the other side and embrace the next chapter of our life. Joyce. And we will thrive. Yeah, <laughs> we will thrive. And that's for sure. That's for sure. That's what we're doing. I mean, your your work and your books are available, are they? Where people can get hold of them and read and learn more about it? Yes, they're to- totally the, the books are um my book is totally freely available. I'm I'm been toying with my next book and it's going to be life over 50 i was going to write my book just about sex actually. <laughs> that would be a good book too <laughs> oh they will, they will. there's a chapter on sex in my other book but um i will have some ch- chapters about sex for um and relationships with people being single married for decades married newly, ma- newly married etc uh, but it's going to be life over 50 it's going to be a very uh i'm going to interview people um from with all different issues and walks of life and ask them about life over 50 and I hope it will be a really positive book it'll be a few years (laughs) I'm just at the beginning but um I I hope it'll be a really positive book to help especially women it's going to be aimed at women um to to thrive I love your your title to thrive through these next chapter of their life and really make the most out of their life so that's that's really where I want to to work on next but yeah and all our papers we write are open access um so i've just updated my website at the moment but i'll i have links to those you can just google my name or google you see the title of a paper um it will be there but there's a i have a whole range of menopause papers um coming out now and on the first of september we're issuing our survey launching our survey specifically for black women because surveys are traditionally yes. filled in by white middle class women and I'm so privileged to be working with a great uh, group of women who um, came to me and said, please, please, can we do this? Specifically aim it to black women. We've got to hear their their voices in this. And then we'll be, be repeating it. When that's closed, we'll repeat it for Asian women. Um, so that's being launched on the 1st of September. Um, so, yes, we've got to hear what women think. What do they think? And we've got to then help 
them with knowledge. Wonderful. We will put links on that. We'll certainly promote these surveys so that as many people as possible can get on and share their views because it's very important that we have a rounded, inclusive and diverse view of menopause. Joyce, it's been a pleasure having you here. I'm sure we could talk and rant for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and, you know, us positive women need to stick together. We do.